This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Tēnā koutou katoa, no mai harimai half measures, ko te wiki o te reo Māori, ko pū toko inua, ke te Yes, welcome in to episode 82 of Half Measures. It is Māori Language Week here in New Zealand, and joining me as always is my co-host and friend, Mr. Dan Whiting. Ke te pēhe koe, Dan. Oh, ke te pai. That's a fantastic intro, Paul. I'm uh, super impressed with your te I may have written it down and practiced it once or twice before. That sounds like a full measure to me. I'm on a journey, though. I'm on a journey. I'm getting there. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? It's, a, it's a good journey to go on, though. You know, it's, it's a changing world, and it's good to embrace it. There's been a lot of it in New Zealand this week. I mean, obviously, it's the Maori Language Week, but it feels like it's been more than previous years. I don't know if that's because we're sort of a bit more locked down and people are from home and people have had more time to, to engage on these things online. I actually noticed today uh, on the the daily briefing we get regarding COVID that there's actually a, a neon sign mm. now for Modern Language Week, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Like I feel like back in the day we would have just been a one of Jacinda's A3s up on the wall. That's but, right. No, it's a lot more going on there, and even even commercials and adverts in Tereo. It's uh, it's great. I love it. I I'm as I say, I'm on a journey trying to to learn a bit more as a foreigner to these to these uh there's these shores. Do you know what makes me a little bit sad is that it annoys me that companies embrace this for just one week. I mm. like if you're going to turn it on, just embrace it. Let's let's keep going with it. That's right. Actually, that's something we talk about in my work. And um, we've we've talked about taking something from this week and rather than just leaving it at that, we want to incorporate it into our our daily and weekly routines as we as we go, so we can be a bit more, you know, do do a you bit mean- more. You mean to tell me this isn't your only job? I did mean to tell you that I do have another job because the money we get from this podcast last time I checked is is relatively close to zero. So I did need something to pay the bills. Hey, Paul, we've got Patreons. You know, they're supporting us. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's right. And we appreciate those Patreons. Uh, before I say anything more to embarrass myself, Dan, uh, can I ask you, what have you been watching this week? Well, Paul... Last week, I mentioned to you that I was starting the the rewatch of all of the, the Marvel films, and I was thinking about this, and I might have maybe misled yourself and potentially the listeners that, you know, with the Terminator series, you were watching it um, one episode, one, one movie a week, mm. but I'm, I'm not doing that because there's so many of these movies, it would take me years to get through them all. So I we've just been, this is the main thing that we've been watching, so I've actually watched one, two, three, four. <laughs> Five Marvel movies. Wow. So I'm going to run through them pretty quick, but just a, if you're a new listener or just a, a reminder from last week. So I'm watching these movies in timeline order, which is a which is a little bit different from release order. And I'll tell you, Paul, it is a great experience. I'm having a hell of a great time. I am enjoying the movies in a much different way. Movies that I thought were just okay, I'm actually really appreciating it in a different sense. The only thing with watching these movies in timeline order is the post-credit scenes often, like they're they're out of context mm. or they don't make sense because. But it's, these movies are a work of art. The way that each movie has half a dozen threads into the next movie or the wider universe. It's just incredible. Like they have really thought this through. Like there has been no half measure in making any of these movies. I love that. I, I love, and I can imagine that watching things back to back, just with any movie series, is always satisfying. But with something like this, I imagine even more so. It's really interesting what you say about the post-credit scene because, of course, they are setting up what is next to be released. And so, when you're watching it in universe timeline order, I wonder if would you consider not watching those post-credit scenes, or does it not put you off? Is it okay? Um, if this was my first time watching the the Marvel movies, I would say avoid the middle cost because it would mm. just be confusing. But because we we know what's coming up, it's kind of just fun to kind of be reminded of what else is 
is out there. So I'll, I'll run you through pretty quick uh, of the movies that we've been watching. So last week we only we only watched one movie, which was Captain America, the the first Avenger, which was great. Then we jump straight into the next movie after that is the 2019 Captain Marvel movie, and this was one of my, you know, like it was okay. I didn't overly enjoy it, but I'll tell you, Paul, this is one of my favorites. Carol Carol Danvers, epic. As Captain Marvel, she is just like she's a machine. I don't I don't know why I didn't enjoy this movie the first time around, but this time, so so good. And I think what's great about this movie, so this is sort of set in the in the nineties. There's a ton of like nineties throwbacks. There's Nirvana. There's Smashing Pumpkins. Like in the soundtrack, it's it's so good. And she's such a powerful superhero. And what's cool about Captain Marvel is so this is obviously in the nineties. So you're seeing the early days of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Nick Fury. Bearing in mind this is probably all going a little bit over your head, almost in a in a, in a Star Trek way for me, but <laughs> it's it's a really just like great to see that universe set up. And obviously we don't see Captain Marvel again until, you know, pretty deep down the timeline, way after the sort of like the Thanos snap before she gets paged and comes back to Earth. So it's really cool to sort of see her now and then know that we're kind of parking that story for a little bit. I love that. And so this is quite a recent movie, so they do jump about quite a bit. Like if you'd give me all the movies and said, put them in order, I wouldn't have a clue. But I have to be honest, I don't know that I'd be going with, with, with Captain Marvel. So um, uh, as someone who's thinking of revisiting this, and I know I've made a failed attempt halfway through last year, I'm thinking I might go in this order as well because I, I like a universe order. It's good, right? And then so straight off Captain Marvel, we're straight into Iron Man 1. And so Iron Man fan favorite so this is back to 2008 mm. everyone loves robert downey jr he's got so much like sass and charm um it's a fun movie and it's still kind of you know like the the technology and the effects are a little bit like they're not as top tier mm. as you know the 2019 movies but it's still a, like a fantastic movie really good time then we jump straight into Iron Man 2, which is really cool, right? So you're you're having the Iron Man experience, and then you're kind of getting the continuation of the story. You're starting to, you know, Tony Stark's embraced um, Iron Man. He's really kind of leaning into the the role and the character, and it's it, it's so much fun. Then we whip over to Thor. So this is 2011. So, you know, and this is what's great, right? So now they're introducing, you know, gods of the universe there's, there's magic there's it's a whole new new concept and Thor's probably my you know I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok which comes a little bit later but you know still still great right still building on that universe they're introducing more characters through Thor you're getting characters like Hawkeye which is really cool um we we get obviously a lot of sort of Loki in this then the last one I've watched the Avengers so finally finally oh. Paul they're bringing them all together so so now we've got um, Iron Man, we've got Thor, we've got um, Black Widow, we've got Nick Fury, we've got Hawkeye, Captain America. It's, it's just, it was so, so cool to see them all come together. I love this. Um, I, again, would never have picked that the Avengers came together so early in a timeline order because what about the Hulk? Like, so the Hulk movie is set after Avengers. Is that like a... Is, What's well, no, okay, so you've got me here. Now, I was hoping you weren't <laughs> going to call me out on this. So this is where it gets – so I'm watching these on Disney+, Plus, and so the Hulk movie actually wasn't – so the Hulk was obviously part of the Marvel Universe. He's a core character of the Avengers. The Hulk gets a lot of screen time in the in the future movies, but the actual Hulk movie itself isn't, isn't in that uh, – isn't available on on Disney, okay. and because it's you know obviously stars Edward Norton, they replace they replace him as the Hulk, and so I was going to go and seek it out, but it wasn't easily accessible for me. So I I've seen that movie quite a few times. I really enjoy it, but I didn't include it in my timeline rewatch. I, I was I wasn't even trying to call you. I was actually wondering if it was actually part of it. If it was if it was what's the word canon? If it was actually part of it because it was a different actor because it was, but it, it is it's um this is amazing. There's so much stuff. So if you were going to go Hulk, you would go, basically you'd go Iron Man, Iron Man 2, uh, Thor. I think then you'd go Hulk, then the Avengers, mm. and then that would sort of bring them all together. So I think what the Avengers does quite well is they they introduce the Hulk character. And I feel like Hulk, somebody, like everyone knows the Hulk. Everybody knows that gamma radiation, he gets angry, he turns green, gets mad, gets really strong. And that's kind of all you need to know. So mm. 
Um, but if you want the full experience, obviously go and track down the Hulk. But look, I'm pretty excited. Uh, this week we'll be going straight into Iron Man 3. And we're starting to get into some of the, the newer movies now, uh, getting into Phase 2, Phase 3 movies. So mm. look, I'm having a fantastic time. I'm learning about the phases as I read as well. It's interesting what you said about Thor, because when we talk about the DC universe and the sort of like when you start bringing in those sort of almost supernatural or just out of this world powers that almost can't be matched. That's where that was always the one character. And I guess there's a lot more, but Thor felt like a real character that was on a completely different level to anything else that the, this, this universe seemed to offer. Well, when it, you know, it's similar, like, you know, you think Captain Marvel is very similar, like Captain uh, Marvel, okay. basically uh, invincible, it's like so powerful, like Thor, God of Thunder, like basically invincible. But what they do in these movies is, is they find ways to sort of introduce weaknesses to these characters. They they give them real moments to grow. And I think, um, you know, this is always the thing with Superman, right? Like you've got to you've got to find weaknesses to those characters. Otherwise, they're just on God mode, uh, like in a video game, just mm. just taking names. And I, I think they do this really well in these movies. And I think what's really cool is you know you you then sort of contrast that with characters like Hawkeye, Captain America. Um, Black Widow, and these these are kind of relatively normal ish human beings. By Captain America, he's got some some super serum in him, but you know that they they aren't invincible, and they do have weaknesses, and they do bleed, and you know things happen to them. So they're not kind of shallow characters. And I think this is where you know you get into the whole Marvel DC thing. And what Marvel just has has done so well is they've built the universe, they've built the characters, they've had a big vision, they've always been working towards it. And because DC's always tried to sort of play a bit of a catch-up game um, outside of core characters like Batman, it always feels a bit more rushed and they haven't kind of got the runs on the board to introduce a concept like magic because we, you don't understand it in the mm. in the context of those films. But look, I'm just having a good time and it's it's so good just each evening we're like another Marvel film and we put another one on and and we're sort of, oh God, I don't want to watch Thor. But then we put it on and all of a sudden we're we're so focused on it and we're just having a great time and like we're smiling and we're we're talking about things like Captain Marvel, which we were kind of like, eh. and it's fantastic. It's, it's one of my favorites so far. It's great. And this, I mean, I don't draw comparisons too much, but when I talked about my Terminator rewatch, the appreciation I had for the movies, watching them in order, there is something more than when you just watch it once by itself, standalone, you, you do get something more out of it. And looking at these movies, I'm just sitting here wondering, is there anything that even comes close to matching this 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 series of movies in terms of if, if I wanted to sit down and watch all the Harry Potters or all the Fast and the Furious or, you know, what, other than, I guess, the James Bond series, there's nothing that would be able to, in terms of numbers of movies, that would compare. I think this is what's quite cool about it, right? Because, you know, you can watch it in timeline order and then you could actually start to include the the Disney Plus TV shows, mm. Loki, WandaVision, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Or you can actually, you know, if it's too much, like you could actually just start at phase three. Like you're like, oh, I get the concept of superheroes. I don't need to know the details. Oh, here's a phase for me to start. In. And the fact that they're still building on this universe, you know, there's going to be more and more movies to come. And it's, I think you're right. Like I don't, I can't really think of anything as so epic. Maybe, you know, apart from like the Star Wars universe or that are all sort of con connected to, to one another. It's brilliant. I am having... Just that little bit of FOMO going on, and that's a good sign that you're selling it to me. And so, apart from that, um, I've been watching that, like a little bit of more Modern Family, just to kind of you know in the background the the palate cleanser, as we like to say. And I, I'm actually up to season seven on that, so kind of racing <laughs> through that show. I think that's kind of been a, a passive lockdown watch as well, but still having a good time on that. I definitely think the. Uh, the quality's kind of gone down like a little bit in terms of some of some of the humour, but it, it's been a fun watch, and I'm going to be sad when it finally ends. Uh, I guess one of the one of the annoying things here on uh, Netflix in New Zealand is they've only actually got ten seasons, and there's eleven out. So, what's the deal with that? Why would they do? Oh, who knows? Who knows? Let's get the social media manager onto that. Start harassing Netflix. Let's get this resolved. Got a few seasons for me to catch up on. Amazing. So set up to season seven of Modern Family and all these Marvel. I guess this is the advantage for you because obviously Half Measures is your, your your primary job, your primary income. You've got more more spare time to, to go and watch these other things, right? 
Look, when it comes to watching stuff, I, I try to take a full measure where possible. Sometimes I have to take a half measure, but I, I try to avoid it, except for on this podcast. That is um, very good advice, Dan. What about you, Paul? What have you been watching? Something somewhat different to you, Dan. So I, um, I recently discovered that Amazon Prime now has quite a few seasons of Doctor Who uh, on it. And so I, I've been meaning to get back into it again. So I started watching some, some Peter Capaldi stories, um, went down a, a bit of a rabbit hole with them. And I actually ended up watching, and what I'm going to talk about today, I actually ended up watching some classic Who. And I'm talking classic, like I'm going back 1970. And so I actually watched a whole five-part series from the third Doctor called Inferno. So this one, listen to this for a synopsis. They don't write this TV like this anymore. Work is on a project to provide Britain with energy from drilling into the Earth's crust, begin to become infected, mentally unstable and violent. A brigadier and his colleagues from the United Nations Intelligence Task, Task Force go from providing security to investigating the project and it's in its instigator, Professor Storman, while the doctor experiments to regain the freedom of all time and space leads to horrific examples of the consequences of their choices, examples that may provide answers for their survival and the future of the Earth. Honestly, it's been a long time since I watched some some, some classic Doctor Who. Uh, for me, this is as good as it gets. I think I, I asterisk that with the fact I haven't probably seen enough to be truly the authority on this subject. But I've always loved John Pertwee uh, as an actor and in many things, but certainly as a doctor. And whilst he's never been like my top doctor, he's not even a top three, but his performance in this series is, is top draw. He's so good. Um, doctor always has a companion, his companion, uh, one of these companions, Liz Shaw. She's really good. She has, uh, sorry, it's Dr. Liz Shaw. She has some really great banter um, with the Doctor, the Brigadier character who features across many Doctors. He's in his prime in this series as well. The story builds up. Um, the acting is is really good. The characters have quirks. Um, it's, it's a really, really great watch. And I would... It's a different experience to what you've been going through, but I would say to anyone who loves a bit of retro, this would be a great uh, Doctor episode to to get into is Inferno. Awesome. So is this a just a, a chunk of episodes or have you sort of jumped in at the storyline at a, a certain point or how does it work? So the way it works with Doctor Who is each each season has like a number of stories and each of those stories is sort of made up of a number of episodes, be that four or five or six episodes. This was a a seven-part episode um, story. So I think, uh, was it seven part or six? I'm not sure how it was broken up now. But it's when you put it all together, it's a few hours. Um, and it's a self-contained story. So you you can you can jump into any story in any Doctor. And whilst there are, I'm sure, because again, I'm not the authority, some, some underlying themes that go throughout, basically... Each story is sort of self-contained, so you, you sort of pick a doctor, pick a story. And I I basically went for something I hadn't seen before that looked like it was well-received. Um, I thought if I was going to start somewhere, I would, I would do that. And I haven't seen as much John Pope as I wanted to. But um, so so it's quite it's quite accessible in that respect if you can sort of go in. It's not like, um, you know, I think I always misunderstood sort of how, how it may have been put together. Like it's like, it's not like a... A, a big serialized thing. There's there, there are some things that flow through, but by and large, you can pick a story and go away and watch those, and um, really worthwhile. So, does that mean for you now you'll sort of continue on the Stop the Who journey, or is it uh, just jumping in and out as you kind of feel the urge to jump back in the TARDIS? It's <laughs> it's weird, eh? Like I f I do feel like I could go down a bit of a rabbit hole and bring a Doctor Who story each week, but I, I probably won't. I'll probably jump in now and then um, because there's just so much else that I want to watch. I just really fancied a Doctor Who. And um, yeah, I, it does take a while to get going because, you know, if you're not used to watching something which is very much less than HD quality um, with a sort of a, that 4-3 um, ratio on your TV screen, it does take a while to sort of adjust. But to be honest, I find it's got all those things that I loved as a kid. It's it's like it's scary. It's proper like shivery scary. That sort of was the root cause for for me and many other kids going you know jumping behind the couch that kind of thing. 
I kind of wish there was a, a podcast um, that really focused on Doctor Who that really, you know, for those fans out there, where they could really embrace each episode and, and go deep. It's funny you say that, Dan, because my advice for anyone who would actually like to hear a proper review of Inferno is indeed to go and check out Time Travelling Team, a podcast we've talked about a number of times uh, who do a week by week review of every episode of Doctor Who. And believe it or not, and this is relatively um, chance, this week, the episode that's dropping for that podcast, which is episode 54, uh, Paddy and Trisha are also reviewing this exact story, Inferno. So they recently moved into the John Pertwee era, which is another thing which sort of got me into the idea of going away and watching a John Pertwee show. And so, yeah, go look them up. Check out episode 54, which will be out by the time we drop. So um, uh, they normally do like a two-hour review. So you're going to get a whole lot more um, trivia and detail than I've just given. But I just have to say... Um, it's if if you've ever wondered about classic Doctor Who, this would be a great place just to jump in and and if it doesn't feel right, then it may not be for you. But for me, this was um this was a, a, a really good one. Awesome! Sounds like you've had a great time. Indeed, I have. The other thing I was going to talk about is Nine Perfect Strangers. So this is an an eight episode miniseries on Amazon Prime. Uh, so far, seven episodes have dropped. Uh, the final episode is out on the, the 22nd of September. So if anyone listens to this and decides to start now is really good timing because by the time you've watched the other seven episodes, the eighth episode will be out. So I'll be spoiler free. Um, you know, you may want to watch it yourself, Dan. But suffice to say, this this show caught my eye mainly because it's got a great cast and it's got a really straightforward plot that when I heard about it, I just thought, well, that's going to have to be some fun. So this is this is about nine unrelated, stressed out people that live and work in the city, and they all just check into a, a very expensive wellness um, sort of health resort. And um, yeah, that resort is run by Nicole Kidman, uh, who plays a very eccentric character um, who literally will do whatever she thinks is necessary to 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 transform these people um, whose lives are out of balance or causing too much stress you know it's, it's things like people that have got too too obsessed with their career or, the, or they're, they're overly obsessed with their instagram account or their popularity or their sales or their looks or all of the things that society just sort of makes us as care about in the western world so to speak and yeah it's 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 her technique her techniques and how the resort operates that's it's really off the chart in terms of what you might expect at a at a wellness resort it definitely looks interesting. This is one uh, I watched the trailer for when it first appeared on uh, Amazon. And the only thing holding me off watching it so far is I thought I'd actually just – I wanted more episodes to come out. When I when I first came across it, there was maybe one or two episodes out, but the whole Nicole Kidman, the whole the whole concept of the wellness retreat, the way they they pitched the trailer, it looks like it's got lots of twists and turns. And as you say, that, that cast looks pretty awesome. Yeah, it's oh, it really is, and it's the cast that that really does it for me. Um, in particular, I would actually I would say Melissa McCarthy, who I tend to associate with all due respect with sort of more slapstick or out and out comedies. She's probably the star here for me. She's in a somewhat more serious role, but with some really great lines. Also, Luke Evans, um, he seems to be popping up on my radar more and more often. He was he was really good in that movie we watched together, uh, Midway. Um, he was great in the Hobbit movies. Um, and so he has a great role in this story. He also has his Welsh accent in full flow, which was great to hear because you don't get to often hear that natural accent come out. But there are times when I, I'm watching the show and I find myself laughing out loud and I wonder, am I a bad person? Are other people laughing? Because, you know, these people are here to try and get some help. But the interactions between these characters is is really where it's at. It's um, it's Although a little bit of a caveat it is very dark and anyone who's having a rough time in life at the moment or suffers from depression or has gone through something bad, I, I, they, they may struggle with this, at least as the story unfolds in sort of, sort of the middle of the story. It gets into some really gritty problems and experiences that, that is needed for this story to actually hold any water and actually then to sort of show some, 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 some progress. But uh, 
at the same time, it's a really good reminder that, you know, you never know what people are going through because these people come in looking relatively normal, but, you know, everyone's got something going on, right? Indeed they do. And so on this one, it looks like it's a mini series as opposed to a, you know, couple of seasons. Yeah. So that, that was kind of like when I made my note, I just put eight episode mini series because I, I think that was how I understood it to be as well. It doesn't seem to be, and I would be shocked given I'm up to the penultimate episode if there was a second season. If they were going to do that, I guess maybe a different nine or maybe 10 strangers come in. You know, I guess that would be one way potentially. But it, for this group of characters, I think I would like this story to be wrapped up next next week. And I, I have a feeling that it, it will be. Awesome. I'll definitely add that to the list somewhere in between all of these Marvel movies. Yeah, so that is um, nine Perfect Strangers, and that is available on Amazon Prime. Fantastic stuff. Shall we move on over to The Walking Dead? Let's go there. Season 11, episode 4. Daryl and his dog, aka Dog, get captured by the Reapers, and they're taken to the Meridian, and he gets to reconnect with a familiar figure from his past. Apparently familiar. Depends how good your memory is, I guess. Dan, I feel like all I need to do is just be a little bit of a spark of a match and you're like a petrol tanker that is full to the max and it's time to set this thing on fire. What are we thinking this week? I, I Paul, look, Samara said this to me when I was watching this. She's like, why do you watch this show? Like, why? Like, what? You know, like, you clearly are not having a good time. I'm not, Paul. This this is trash. I feel like what's happening is that somewhere along the line, along, you know, Daryl negotiating his contract, he probably got a certain number of uh, character episodes. And I just feel like Walking Dead is just just out there as like we like I say it every time we talk about Walking Dead they're just repeating mistakes how they're even repeating storylines at this point in fact the most fascinating thing to happen in this whole episode was Daryl had a bath and he was actually the cleanest I've ever seen him in the entire show but I, I think you know we're you know again these reapers like who like who are they? Are they they kind of seem like just a a B C tier bad guy, which will eventually kind of probably blaze past, no doubt by the time we get sort of to the the mid season break. Um, I, the fact that Daryl was captured, Daryl's been captured so many times. Nothing's happened. Daryl's the main character. Nothing's happening to him. I, I there's just nothing there. And this love interest, you know. I said it once, I've said it, but like when we had that Daryl-centric episode where he lived in the forest with Bilbo Baggins and they came, you know, he had the love interest with, like it was just, I don't know, it didn't seem, they didn't, the chemistry wasn't there, the chemistry definitely wasn't there this time and it just, it's just not, it's not good and it's, I'm just so sad because it used to be so good and it's not good and I want it to be good and you think, you know, you could kind of do something good with Daryl but... I feel like if we had a producer that sort of like listened to us live, they, they would be sort of like cutting to commercial at some point during your rent because it's like we're going to get the AMC people on our backs at one point. To answer um, Samara's question, uh, I feel if I was posed with that question, I often feel like The Walking Dead is like, it's like a meeting at work that I don't really want to go to. I've kind of been on the project for a long time. And if I don't go, I may miss some things that I might appreciate knowing and I might need to know later on in the project. And if I'm really lucky, some of the people who I can't be bothered talking to might not even show up at the meeting and it might be better without them. But this wasn't the case with this meeting. This was a 100% episode that I didn't need to see. Um, I, I use the expression a lot. I've noticed I don't think I have the energy for, you know, I've talked about I haven't got the energy for the Negan-Maggie fight. This week, I don't have the energy for another new big bad baddie stood in the shadows for the first 20 minutes and then for the final 20 minutes we get to meet him and honestly if you put this guy with the mustache and glasses in a room with the governor negan alpha virginia he ain't coming out of that room to be honest i don't think he'd even stand a chance against crazy old teddy from fear the walking dead honestly come back teddy all is forgiven this new guy i'm not interested and like you say he's going to be gone before we get to the end of season 11 anyway 
And I think what's kind of frustrating about these rando bad guys that they often bring out is, you know, this guy's kind of got this like ex-military story and he's kind of been, he's seen some stuff, but like he's standing around the, the fireplace on this episode. He's got like brand new combat boots, brand new vest, like he's looking in tip top condition. Mm. Like, hold on guys, like we're, we're several, we're, you know, a good several years into this apocalypse. Daryl's had only having his first bath for the first time in this whole entire series. And like these guys are like, it's like they forget that there's it for these guys to be where they are. They've had to survive just like everybody else. And I like, just even the fact that they had Daryl sitting in that cell was just so frustrating because, you know, we spent a long time with Daryl in the cell with Negan. Um, and it just, they weren't doing anything new, and I feel like there's just so much more more they could have done. And I don't really understand the 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 logic of how these groups move around. And you know, just because you wear a scary mask in The Walking Dead, it's you know why why you know the the masks are a real mystery to me because as we've talked about, it would be impossible for them to do half the things they do. Um, the thing with this episode as well, to add to what you just said, is there was literally no other B story. And sometimes I quite like that because it allows you to focus on on one primary story. But that, of course, only works when what you've got as an A story is good and strong and, and this wasn't. And some of the plot points, like the, the when they, they set the, the, that shed on fire, firstly, I'm a pragmatism, you know, waste of resource. Um, so it, it proves nothing. You're laughing at me because I'm saying it's a waste of resource. But, you know, in the apocalyptic, you know, probably don't burn down a building which can serve you well. It doesn't prove anything either because, you know, the idea was, oh, would 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 Daryl just save himself or would he, would he actually prove himself? You'd have to be a pretty bad person to leave someone who you don't really like or even know, whoever it would be, if there's a chance that you could save them from that room, then, then you probably would. So that didn't prove anything to me. I... I'm not convinced by this new group. I'm not interested. We talked last week about whistling down the number of characters. Let's 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 bring them down. Let's get back to a core group like how we started. What we're doing is we're adding more in, and it's 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 not making it taste any better by adding more ingredients. And look at stuff, right? And because you know, like I think Norman Reedus, like he is a fantastic. Uh, best friend to a Rick Grimes or he's a he's the wingman to the to the main hero but I just I don't think he's got the charisma you know to to hold these scenes and when it comes to any sort of like heavy dialogue or something that you need to happen like we've seen that same face that Daryl pulls all the time and like to be honest I'd rather go and watch Carol and friends try to catch more horses in the field because at least we're going to get you know some probably some interesting dialogue and sure it'll be the same story we had with Carol a million times but this episode actually does review quite highly for The Walking Dead, um, but I don't know. It's it really is hard to love. Uh, it's hard to even give this show a segment at times. But I like you. I've been on this project since day one. I'm damn sure going to see all these deliverables through, and everyone's just going to have to deal with my moaning about it. And that is exactly the way it is. What's most fascinating about that is you saying you'd rather watch Carol go talk to some horses after what you said last week. That really puts this episode in into uh, into perspective, I think. Um, so that's The Walking Dead. That's available here in New Zealand on TVNZ On Demand. And uh, I forgot to say at the top of the review, again, always use our show notes if you want to go forward to the next section if you don't watch The Walking Dead. But do stick around if you enjoy the laughs. Indeed. Well, should we go on to something a little bit more positive, Paul? Our movie of the week series. Yeah, so every week Dan and I take it in turns to choose a movie to watch and review uh, on the podcast and we post that movie a week in advance in our Discord community, uh, which you can join by clicking on the link in the show notes. Uh, Again, that's an opportunity for you to see what we're up to and then come along and watch it with us, as it were, and enjoy our review. This week... And for the next three weeks, Dan and I have made a decision to review week by week the Daniel Craig James Bond movies in preparation for the release of No Time to Die, which will not be um, delayed any further because we've had some you know, pretty harsh words with MGM Studios. It's coming out uh, in November, so we're starting a week by week review, starting with Casino Royale. It's actually coming out in October, so that's oh, even sooner. October, sorry, I got my months wrong. Yeah, of course, four weeks. Wow, brilliant. Yeah, so uh, Casino Royale, so 2006, like that's 
that's a while ago now. Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, on paper, 2006, a few years ago. But actually, this is, this is, you know, again, a movie that's starting to show its age a little bit in terms of some of its um, effects. But I'll tell you, Paul, I absolutely loved it. I, Daniel Craig is a fantastic 007. Casino Royale is such a great James Bond movie. And, you know, one of my favorite things about this film is this is James Bond really learning to become a, a, a double O agent. Like, he's brutish. He's, like, not quite as, you know, sharp or as his skills aren't quite as honed as you see in, you know, like, classic James Bond. And it's it's so enjoyable. And it's such a a classic James Bond story. What did you think? Oh, I absolutely loved it as well. I knew I would coming in. I want to pick up really quickly on what you said, because I thought the same thing about the way this movie very cleverly, very subtly layers in the fact that Bond isn't the Finnish article. And it happens right from the start, sort of obviously with him getting his, his 007 license to kill. Um, when he's, when he's chasing the guy across the crane, he's a bit ragged when he's playing cards, he's a little bit sure of himself and, you know, he loses his cool and has to be stopped by Felix Leiter from going after the chief with the knife. So I, I love that you picked up on that because I, I sort of noticed that with this watch as well, but he's not that finished article. This, this movie is, is as good as it gets for me. The synopsis for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, after earning 00 status and a license to kill, James Bond sets out on his first mission as 007 and must defeat a private banker funding terrorists in a high stakes game of poker at the Casino Royale. Um, it's for me, I would say that next to From Russia with Love, this is right up there for my favorite Bond. And I would say that other than Goldeneye, which I watched heaps of times in the 90s when it came out. I feel like this is also the movie I've possibly seen the most times as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like when, whenever I want to watch a James Bond film, I Casino Royale, in terms of the, the Daniel Craig series, is always my go-to. Mm. And so I'm kind of looking forward to these movies and I've had to really pace myself from not wanting to put the next movie on straight away, like having to wait a week. It, like it's kind of good, but it's it's so hard because I'm looking forward to watching the the evolution of this character, and it should be a good time. We, we've had to really discipline ourselves because, but of course, listeners don't see behind the scenes. Is there is some minor planning that goes into this podcast, and one of them is the rewatch of the Bond movies, and we've we've been waiting for so long, and we've almost had to sort of just basically shackle ourselves from from doing this too early so that we can time it for the release of No Time to Die. But um, look, I think this is as close to a a complete Bond movie as I think we've ever seen. And what I mean by that is there, there's no, there's zero filler. Every scene has a purpose and a meaning. There is no scene that is cuttable. The pace of the movie is is superb. It's cleverly written. And and the other thing that you talked about in terms of that sort of grit, the, the action and the, the grit and the direction that this modern Bond gives us, it sets it apart from all of the previous Bonds. And I think it's, even though we're we're about to come to the end of Daniel Craig's run, I feel like it's changed Bond forever. And and unless they decide to do something completely different, like a, like a, a noir or something, I feel that this is now, this is Bond, this is the standard and it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I kind of hate how there's a bit of bad press around uh, Daniel Craig and not wanting to do these movies because it is, I, I hope a lot of that is just kind of, you know, mistrued media and not quite because he's so enjoyable and i i love judy dench's m mm. um i think you know mads mickelson is our key bad guy in this just top tier acting you know jeffrey wright like it's it's, it's such a fantastic cast and i think you know you mentioned this a lot, those opening credits. Like you've kind of got two opening credits going on. You've got the black and white, mm. you know, getting your your two kills amazing and then you've got that amazing chase scene as you say with the all the parkour and the you know running through the crane and just ah it's top quality the the one thing with this movie is it is like it is quite a long movie but i think that's also traditional of james bonds and i did have a little laugh to myself uh through watching this movie that it's actually got quite a few moments where you think this is the end and if Mm. you hadn't seen the movie 
you'd be like, oh, this must be wrapping up. And all of a sudden there's like another scene and then another scene. And I made the joke to Samara that this kind of feels like the, the ending to Return of the King. Like you think, oh, this is it. Nope, no, nope, there's a bit more. Nope, there's a bit more. There's, the hobbits are running in, you know. It's it's good. It is. Uh, and it, it does have a few different endings. But the ending that we get, I really do love because um, that's that's when we – so Bond has been like cut to his core by, by Vesper. And so in that – sort of closing scene where he he's he's approaching the house with mr white and he's got the he's got the uh what do you call it the the waistcoat and the blazer and he's got the massive gun and this that is the first time that you hear the signature bond theme play which is as he's walking in into that last scene which is really also very interesting you feel at that point that he that's when he truly is at boss level bond if you like and he's he's definitely not to be messed with at that point and so I know what you mean that there could have been several endings, but I actually, because because they could have taken that scene and just left it for Quantum of Solace, but they decided to put it in there, and and then of course he delivers for the first time Bond, James Bond, and and it's uh it's it, that is how you end a movie. I, look, I'm with you. That that final scene, those final scenes, and like he's just dressed in this like immaculate suit, and it just looks so badass with his machine gun, and it's. Oh, it's it's so good. Um, I do also have to give one shout out to like there's some fantastic uh, throwback James Bond kind of uh, lines in this movie, and one of the ones that just had me laughing out loud, and I, I forgot kind of existed, um, was when James Bond is he he's in his hotel room. and then he gets the call when he has to go to the airport. And so he rings up room service and he's like, champagne and beluga caviar for one and it's like it's <laughs> it's so good like like he's kind of like a a scumbag that he he loves married women but you know he's also kind of a, a, a gentleman and he orders rooms like oh it's just it's so good it's a really good call and there are so many great lines and that's the thing that when you think about particularly i guess connery or more is some of those classic one-liners and and perhaps casino world doesn't have as many of those but he, he he elevates those lines to a different level and the banter that he has or the the chemistry rather that he has with eva green is is second to none i think that she is brilliant opposite him um and in terms of how um bond's relationships and movies have been portrayed over the last i don't know what are we 50 odd years i feel like her character is quite possibly the most convincing the most engaging she's smart and um she's got a very sharp wit and so that that go back and forth between the two of them like when they're on the train very reminiscent of of, of sean connery i thought and um little bits and pieces of, of pierce brosnan crept in as well but it's um it's it's uh, yeah i found the two of them as probably the, the best chemistry we've had since bond got married in um on her majesty's secret service i think that's this is probably the most satisfying relationship he had and of course he cut to the core at the end amazing i actually really enjoy the relationship he also has with judy dench his m mm. just the way like he breaks into her house he you know like i enjoy you but don't you know don't go too far and it's it's good like there's just such a level of sort of like banter and, and pushing the boundaries right from day one and i think that's something that they obviously build on in the in the future movies but i'll tell you paul as you said earlier, we've been wanting to watch these for a year, so it's so good to finally sit down and do it. Oh, it really is. And already, when I think about the weekend, I'm already, this is what is like the the, the go-to in terms of my mind, in terms of what I'm looking forward to. And it's really interesting what you say about M because I think, and we'll discover this as we go, that perhaps her, she gets some bigger parts in, in a couple of the movies, but the scenes that she have has in this movie... I feel a really satisfying. I feel like every interaction she has with Bond is a killer scene. And she just has a real, I don't know, like she's so infuriated with him all the time. Like when he, he's broken into the computer and using her password and she's sort of getting out of bed, just going, how the hell does he do that? Yeah. She's just so, she's so annoyed with him. And um, there's just this brilliant relationship that of course will continue. So good. So good. It's uh 
such a fun watch. If you, uh, I think it's a, a good time for if you haven't seen the James Bond movies to, to go back and and watch them all and prep for this final one. And because I think these do these movies do have a thread that runs through them, which aren't, aren't critical for the next movie, but I think seeing that thread enhances the experience. Oh, a hundred percent, it will. I mean, even characters like Mathis, characters like Felix, um, that sort of thing is going to going to play all the way through Tanner the whole way um just all of the cast in this movie eh? like um even the the guy does the money transfer or the guy at the poker table who announces who is the big blind and the small I just love everyone and everything about this movie this is all the guns and I'm really like you I'm really curious to see as we go through these next few movies if any of them can topple this one I'm I'm really curious to see if that might happen one other shout out that we do need to give actually for this movie is it's directed by Martin Campbell, who cool. born in New Zealand, which, uh, you know, and I was looking up Martin Campbell and I think he's like 77 years old. And I was, I was like, whoa, what? Like, but I guess, you know, this movie was, was 2006, but just such a, uh, I just love the idea of, you know, someone from New Zealand going on to do something as huge and as big as, as James Bond. Absolutely. And then, of course, you know, we saw him do um, Edge of Darkness. And then he did, what was that movie we watched? Um, I saw, uh, the Foreigner uh, with Piers Brosnan and, and um, Jackie. He, he's, he always produces quality, but this has to be top of his CV, top of his resume. Look, the one the one uh, pass I'm going to give him is 2011's Green Lantern. But let's, <laughs> let's not dwell on that and, uh, and move on. Indeed. Uh, shall we head on over, Dan, to your news desk? All right, so just a couple of things over here today. So we've talked a few times on the pod about the movie Twins, which is a you know the classic movie from the eighties. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito. There is a sequel coming out, Paul. It's called Triplets. It also has got Tracy Morgan as the third brother. Say no more. This is going to be a lot of fun. So Tracy Morgan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito. Twin sequel, how good can you get? Apparently the movie's been shopped around a little bit at the moment, but um, as we learn more, we'll be sure to bring that news to the pod. That is incredible because that movie has been on the cards for a while. And at one point, Eddie Murphy was attached to it as well. And so that's going to be one to, to watch out for. That That's brilliant. Next piece of news, Idris Elba is reprising his role as the iconic DCI John Luther. So he is going to do a, a, a movie on Netflix which continues the, the Luther TV series. Pretty exciting news for Luther fans. If you're not, if you don't know what Luther is, stop what you're doing right now. Go and watch that TV show. Absolutely fantastic. Idris Elba is the man. So good. So, so happy to be having more of his uh, story. Don't do it, Alice. Alice, don't do it. That's my that's my address impression. You could do impressions, yep. probably part time. You'd still have to keep your normal job. You might right. cut that out of the pod. I think that was awful. I'd stay in. <laughs> um, also, speaking of James Bond, so No Time to Die will be the longest James Bond movie to date. So we're looking at two hours and forty three minutes. Mm. It's been reported as so. I think we're going to get a lot of endings again, but I think we hopefully are going to get the conclusion that this series deserves. And I hope that this movie lives up to expectations because it's we've been waiting for this for a long time. That is brilliant news. I'm so glad it's, it's a long one because it deserves it, especially since we've had to wait so long. Uh, and final bit of news that I wanted to talk about. And so we've now had the first trailer for the Matrix Resurrections. I wonder, Paul, have you watched this trailer? I have. What do you think? I, it wasn't as, I'm going to sound a bit harsh, but it, it didn't move the earth. It wasn't as groundbreaking as I thought it might be. When you think about, when I think about the Matrix and I think about the Matrix trailer, I remember being immediately awed. There was a lot of very good things about it, but it didn't sort of really overly get me too excited i'm 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 keen because i love the franchise but as a standalone it didn't really stand out yeah i was kind of the same so uh it looks like a bit of a mixed reaction online some people love it so it sort of feels like a bit of a um reboot it's probably not quite the right word but it's bringing back in some sort of you know original matrix concepts i watched it and walked away thinking hmm 
I hope this is good. And that's probably where I'm going to probably leave it. I'm pr- going to try and avoid any more trailers. You know, they could be doing something quite clever with this and kind of showing us something quite different to what actually will happen in the movie. But um, yeah, a little bit of a not so sure for me on this one. And that, Paul, is my news desk. What about you? I have a couple of things. Um, Ethan Hawke is going to be voicing Batman in a new Batman animated uh, series. So that's quite exciting. I'm always about a new Batman series. Some of the last few animated ones have been really good. Uh, Bob Odenkirk, he returned to the Better Call Saul filming stage uh, this week. And so filming is back underway for arguably the greatest television show of all time that's how much this podcast rates it um and also last week uh so it was star trek day and for trekkies and trekkers alike this is always a real treat this year there was a lot of content and most exciting of all there was three trailers um trailer for picard season two and trailers for the new shows strange new worlds and the animated show prodigy so i won't give away any details because there are some minor spoilers but i would say that the picard season two trailer has the potential of being the greatest season of any star trek ever based on what they reveal in that trailer because what they're attempting to do in that trailer looks almost movie movie worthy to me and um you know, with Patrick Stewart in his 80s, that's quite a feat. So that was pretty cool. Very cool. So I'll move us over to our Half Measures mailbag this week, Dan. So you may recall uh, that our podcast title last week was The Internet's TV Guide. Um, and that was inspired by a comment made by a new uh, listener, Pear. Now, Pear is a podcaster herself. Uh, and both she and her co-host Claudia record uh, Blue Table Telenoa every day, every day. Now that is a proper commitment to a podcast, unlike us, Dan. And uh, so Dan and I uh, wanted to give a bit of a shout out to Blue Table Podcast, um, which is recorded right here in New Zealand. And unlike our ramblings about what you should be watching, Per and Claudia use their podcast as a way of um, showcasing and and promoting local talent uh, and all things Pacifica. Um, I've actually listened to a couple of their podcasts this week, and I have to say my main takeaway with Blue Table is that it is impossible not to laugh and smile the whole time listening to it. It's, it's a lot of fun, but whilst it's also fun, it also really connects you to the people that they're interviewing, the people that come on, you get to know them, you get to go behind the scenes and hear their stories and their challenges. And it's, and it's really about promoting positivity and inspiring others in the community. So hundred percent recommend to go check out Blue Table Talanoa and you can find their podcast and more services that the team offer at bluewave.co.nz. And yeah, thank you again for all the kind support that both Pear and Claudia have also given our podcast uh, this week as well. It's awesome, and it's you know always hard, you know, because I think you know we're 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 a trash podcast, you know, Paul. Like we <laughs> we are uh, we are the Internet's TV guide, and you know it's it's good to hear that people are, are putting some really good vibes out into the world, and particularly when it's from New Zealand, it's awesome. Absolutely. Now, trash pack podcast or not, Dan? You may recall, of course, that we've been nominated for the New Zealand Podcast Awards this year, and so we we talked about that last week. And we've over the last week we've had so much positive reaction and support, and it's it's just been great. It really means a lot to hear um, the support we've had. So, a few quick mentions to some of the well wishes we received, uh, including our friend Frank Todaro, who voices our, our Star Scream introduction each week. Uh, his fellow Transformer voice actor, Aaron Veach, uh, who voices Prowl. Um, we had Earl from Retrogram Podcast. We had Time Tink Podcast. We had Mission Log Podcast. And we even had support, and I love this, we had support from people whose movies and TV shows we reviewed like way back last year. Um, so, for example, we had Eric Hayden. He's been following us ever since we reviewed his um, his Kerry Payton and Lance Henriksen movie, uh, Penny Howard who's been following us ever since your review of the the book um, OE that she did the artwork for. Um, lots of listeners and friends of the show as well here in Wellington, Auckland, Palmerston North, the Wairarapa, the Hawke's Bay, Taranaki, and even Stewart Island. So it's been, it's been so great. And um, 
yeah, just really appreciate that. We may call on their support in the coming weeks. Uh, in the coming weeks, when the voting starts. That's very cool. And look, it is a, a great honor to be nominated. And you know, this is a this is a lot of fun. This podcast, and I, I'm. It's cool to have some listeners out there that also enjoy what we have to say. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Uh, also from last week's podcast, um, it was really awesome to have one of our all-time favorite actors, Robert Patrick, uh, the T-1000 Terminator himself. Uh, he gave a review of Honest Thief uh, on Instagram alike, which was a real treat to see in our feed. And his co-star, the guy who played his FBI partner in Honest Thief, Jeffrey Donovan, he actually shared our review of a different movie. That was our most recent movie of the week from last week, uh, Let Him Go, uh, on Twitter, which he stars in opposite Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. Um, so two movie of the weeks for Jeffrey Donovan in a row. And uh, he shared that on Twitter, which was great because he's only ever shared 100 things and he's been on Twitter for five years. So that's pretty good if we make it into that 100, right? Sounds like a full measure. Uh, what else have I got? Oh, yeah. So finally, last week's uh, peak performance was Ed Asner. Uh, and we had both Sarah from Wellington and Ryan from California both went with Up, uh, which of course was your peak performance. Plus we had Paddy uh, give us his 3-2-1 of Elf, Up, and a peak performance for Ed was as the the voice of J. Jonah Jameson from the Spider-Man animated series. I did not know that he did that, and that is our mailbag this week, Dan. Great shout. I love it. Shall, we, uh, shall I take us on over to our peak performances? Let's do it. So much like our movie of the week, every week Paul and I take turns um, assessing the peak performances of actors, actresses, directors, producers. Paul, who have we got this week? The legend, Christopher Plummer. Uh, I don't know where we we even start with, with Christopher Plummer. Obviously, he unfortunately passed away in February this year, but this is... This is a, an absolutely incredible CV of movies. Um, my peak performance was really easy for me. I knew that before I came in. But in my honourable mention, I had to think about for quite a while. My honourable mention I went with was the 1999 movie, The Insider, where he stars opposite Al Pacino and Russell Crowe. Uh, he played the, the, the CBS talk show host, Mike Wallace, and Christopher Plummer opposite Pacino and Russell Crowe was just an absolute dream team. It was just absolutely brilliant. It's it's a movie of the week waiting for us to, to go away and review. He's so good in this. He's so, he's dodgy, he's ruthless. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I think it was the first time I remember seeing him on the big screen in a, in a movie as well. And I, I, it always stuck with me, that movie. So that was my, my honorable mention, but my peak performance Unsurprisingly, perhaps, was as General Chang in the 1991 movie, uh, The Undiscovered Country. Actually, I guess that would have been the first time I saw him on the big screen. Okay, that was a real half measure. Um, there was no contest for me here. So uh, unlike any other Klingon that has ever appeared in a Star Trek movie, Christopher Plummer is just a, a different beast altogether. Not just because he had a patch and, and he, he was bald, and of course most Klingons have massive hair, but... As Christopher Plummer is a veteran of the Royal Shakespeare Company, what was really clever, the writers, which included Leonard Nimoy, who plays Spock, they they wrote into the story that his his character Chang would have Shakespeare as his favourite author. And so what we have is Christopher Plummer dressed up as a Klingon, spouting lines from Shakespeare, including the title of the movie, The Undiscovered Country. And it brings a whole new energy to a track villain, which I don't think has been surpassed since uh, since this. So, yeah. For me, Insider gets an honourable mention and The Undiscovered Country for peak performance. What about you, Dan? Good shout, Paul. So I think, you know, much like uh, last week's peak performance, so many great movies to choose. I'm quite closely in sync with you this week. I'm going to go for my runner-up. I'm going to go for 2019 Knives Out, where uh, basically uh, Christopher Plummer's character, he's he's Harlan uh, Thrombry, and... He's sort of the patriarch of an eccentric family. And, you know, there's so many stars in this film. And his role is sort of minimal. But he he it's also all about him. And, you know, I couldn't think of a, of a better character to be the patriarch of a of a big, crazy family and a, a good murder mystery. And 
it, it's just a, it knives out as a as a fun great watch highly recommended and i'm actually going to go same as you paul for my peak performance i'm going to go undiscovered country i love it and and the reason for that is if you're new to the podcast i actually went on a bit of a, a star trek journey watched some of these classic movies Undiscovered Country, fantastic. It's one of my favourite Star Trek movies. I did rank them, and I can't remember the order, but I'm, I'm sure you probably will, Paul. But this this is good, and I think you're right. Everything you just said about Chang, so much fun, such a an A-list actor involved in this franchise, and as you say, like covered in prosthetics and as a Klingon, and it, it's just it's it's top tier, really enjoyable. So Knives Out and Star Trek Undiscovered Country. The other week you said to me you felt like a proud father and that this is how I felt at this point with you choosing this. I am amazed that neither of us have chosen Captain Von Trapp from The Sound of Music. That's that's surely a half measure that that doesn't make either of our lists. But hey, that's our list. I'll tell you, Paul, I nearly picked it, but I didn't want to have to reminisce about that movie and just <laughs> sort of like having to watch it growing up. So I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to move on. That's great. That's great. General Chang. Wow. I love it. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does indeed. Um, Thanks again to everyone who's got in touch uh, over the past week and all the support we've received. Don't forget, uh, if you do want to get involved in any of our reviews or comments or posts, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Half Measures Pod or at our website, halfmeasurespodcast.com. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Tavner. We appreciate your support. If you too would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.